on to Convergence Church. Uh, it's good to see you guys. Praise God for the words of that song. Um, through his word, our hope secures. That's what we come to this, this time of the service where uh, we, we study his word and his words does secure our hope. Uh, his word has acted through the spirit to purchase us, to set us free from our old lives. But his word also continues to endure us in this thing called life, which has many peaks uh, and valleys. And so we, we don't take this time lightly. But also I want to encourage you, uh, whether you uh, have been a Christian for a day or you've been a Christian for 60, 70 years even, that uh, God's word and his grace is always fresh and it's always new. And so God's going to use his word through his spirit to accomplish his specific purposes for you today. So please pay attention. Um, my name is Pastor Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Convergence. Uh, thank you, Jim. This is Jim, if you didn't know who Jim is. Uh, Jim comes in way before everyone else and helps get this room set up. And uh, we've been here for about six weeks now. And uh, there's been some different, you know, uh, strategies as far as the room layout. And Jim has been a trooper. So let's give Jim a round of applause. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> Levi, can you give me a bottle of water, please? Thank you. Um, but yeah, Convergence Church, we meet here every Sunday. We also meet throughout the week for evangelism and outreach to our communities. Um, I don't want to put the sermon title up yet because I want to ask you guys a question. Uh, what's one of the most important things that's underrated? So it's not the obvious answer. What's one of the most important things that's oftentimes underrated that the Bible teaches us as a quality for communication? He nailed it, but y'all couldn't hear him, so we're going to keep going. Uh, okay, you can just share. You got to say it loud, though. Listening. Listening. Listen. Right? Listening. Last week, we went through the parable of the soils. And if you didn't pay attention in the parable of the soils, as Jesus is speaking and people are listening, he tells those people that there's four different kinds of soil and within those soils, it says those people heard, okay? The Bible teaches that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And so there's many things that are important about listening that I want to uh, share with you today. So sometimes uh, sermons can be so heady and so expositional and, and just detailed that you leave out very little application. Um, but I do want to share with you guys some practical things uh, about what it means to be a good listener. So um, these things will help you in your human relationships. They'll help you in your work relationships. These are some things I want to share before we even jump into the text on why it's important to be a good listener. It's important for effective communication. Listening is a fundamental component of effective communication. When you actively listen to someone, you understand their message better, which enables you to respond more thoughtfully and appropriately. Good listening is important for building relationships. Good listening is essential for building and maintaining strong relationships. When you listen actively to others, it shows that you value their thoughts and their feelings, which can strengthen your connections with them. Good listening is important for empathy and understanding. This allows you to understand the perspectives, emotions, and concerns of others. This understanding fosters empathy, making it easier to relate 
to people and provide support when needed. Good listening is important for conflict resolution. Effective listening is a crucial skill in conflict resolution. When you listen to both sides of a dispute without judgment, it can help identify common ground and find solutions that satisfy all the parties involved. Listening is good for learning and growth. Listening enables you to learn from others, whether it's a classroom, a church service, at work, or in the everyday things of life. Listening to experts, colleagues, friends can help you acquire new knowledge, ideas, and perspective. Ideas, or excuse me, good listening is good for problem solving. When you listen actively, you gather more information, insights, which can aid in problem solving. Whether you're tackling personal or professional challenges, good listening can lead to better solutions. Good listening can help you be a better leader and give more influence, gain more influence. Effective leaders are most times good listeners. They make their team members feel heard and valued, which fosters trust and loyalty. Leaders who listen well are most likely to influence and inspire their teams. Good listening, husbands pay attention. Good listening can help you avoid misunderstandings. Poor listening can lead to misunderstandings and misinterpretations. Being a good listener helps prevent these communication breakdowns and ensures that messages are conveyed accurately. Good listening can help you in your career advancement. In the workplace, good listening can enhance your professional reputation. It can lead to better collaboration, more productive meetings, improved teamwork, all of which can contribute to career growth, personal growth. Practicing good listening can lead to personal growth. It encourages self-awareness and self-improvement as you learn from the experiences and perspectives of others. Good listening helps lead you to respect others. Listening is a way to show respect for others by giving someone your full attention and genuinely hearing what they have to say, you demonstrate that you value, that you respect them. Amen? This is all like just secular advice. Like I don't usually do this, but I'm like, man, it's, this is practical because all truth is rooted in God's truth. So in summary, being a good listener is vital for effective communication, building relationships, resolving conflicts, personal and professional growth. It fosters empathy, understanding, respect for others, making it a valuable skill set in various aspects of life. What does the Bible teach about good listening? The Bible contains several teachings and verses that emphasize the importance of being a good listener, as well as the virtues associated with attentive listening. Here are some key biblical verses to demonstrate this. Proverbs 18.13. It says, To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. This verse highlights the importance of listening without responding, or excuse me, listening before responding. Jumping to conclusions without hearing the full story is considered unwise and shameful through the word of God. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This verse encourages believers to prioritize listening over speaking and to exercise patience in your communication. Proverbs 19 and 20 Listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. Listen to advice. Here the Bible stresses the value of listening. Proverbs 17, 27. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. And whoever has understanding is even tempered. This first suggests that wise individuals are careful with their words and often take time to understand before responding. Is this stepping on anyone's toes except mine? Because I like, 
this is me, man. I'm, I'm quick to tell you it's hard when I meet someone. There, there's some common interests. I just want to like share everything with them. Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. This verse encourages continuous learning that comes through attentive listening. Matthew 13.9, Jesus says, whoever has ears, let him hear. We heard this last week in last week's sermon. Jesus often uses this phrase when teaching parables, emphasizing the importance of spiritual receptivity to understand and listen to what he's saying. Ecclesiastes 3, 7, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. This verse acknowledges that there are appropriate times for silence and times for speaking, underscoring the importance of discerning when to listen. Lastly, Proverbs 15, 31 says, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. This verse states that listening to correction and instruction leads to wisdom and understanding. Raise your hand if you don't want wisdom and understanding. Only Audrey. She raises her hand no matter what. Raise your hand if you love Jesus. All right, there's Audrey. All right, I just want to give her the, the right one. Listen, we all want wisdom and we all want knowledge. If you remember the transfiguration of Jesus, as Jesus really made his glory known to his disciples, um, a voice came from heaven and said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Okay. So the father was, was pronouncing his affirmation of his son, his beloved son who would come to die in our place, be risen from the grave. And Jesus, as he was walking the earth, he spoke. Okay. He's like, is anyone like, okay, we get it, right? But, but you need to understand that there is a way that God operates to receive wisdom and it's through his speaking and it's through our listening. And there's no more important person that we should listen to than the Lord Jesus. Amen. Fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, full of wisdom, full of knowledge, full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of patience. When he speaks, we ought to listen, right? Okay, just making sure we're all on the same page. So <clears throat> this brings us to our passage today uh, in Luke chapter 8. So if you guys will stand with me, we're going to read together Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. And as you're reading and as you're listening, be reminded that this is the inspiration of the Holy Spirit telling us what Jesus spoke to his disciples as they listened, and we are his disciples today listening. So let's start off in verse 16. Read aloud with me. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear for the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, help us listen. Help us listen. We want to hear you clearly. And we want to be the kind of listeners that take, your word takes root in our heart. And we want to be the kind of listeners that obey what we hear. And we want to be the kind of listeners that can um, tell others what we've heard. And so God, help us today to listen. I pray you would remove me from the equation. 
and that you would speak to your people, speak to our minds, to our hearts, to our hands, that this word would, would enter us and be planted deeply and that it would go out and multiply greatly throughout this community. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may be seated. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in a little bit on verse 18. Um, now, we, we have to remember that when the Bible was written, they were written in, in big, gigantic books. There wasn't, there wasn't chapters and verses. So we break these things up so that we can understand them in bite-sized ways. But um, when Luke was writing, he didn't separate this from the parable of the soils. So this accompanies the parable of the soils. But I want to I want to really highlight verse 18, the beginning of verse 18. He says, take care then how you hear. So he's he's encouraging his disciples. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, listen carefully to what I am telling you, because the way that you apply the listening to what he's telling us makes all the world a difference. Let me go back to the four soils we talked about last week. Does anyone remember the first the first soil? The path, the seed, which was the word of God, hit the path and it was snatched up by the birds who Jesus says that's like Satan coming to take that word. So but it also says they heard those on the path heard. Okay, so so people are hearing. Okay, just like today, there's people in this room who are hearing. There's some people watching online who are hearing. Okay, we don't want to be that path because that path, the, the word hit the ground, was taken away very quickly. Second soil. The rocky soil, okay. There was some, there was some, uh, there was some ground. There was some soil in between the rocks, so the word actually planted a little bit, sprung up a little bit, and then right away, what happened? Fell away. It says through the testing, okay. So, so when every time you hear Jesus, every time you read your Bible, God's testing you. He's He's causing you or calling you to examine which which soil are you. And uh, again, I said last week, and I'll just repeat it. Living in America is, it's easy to be a Christian. It really is. I mean, you know, we come in the air conditioned rooms and we can stream stuff online and we have a Bible in every bookstore. Um, and it's easy relatively, you know, it's, it's relatively easy. We're not, we don't face a lot of persecution. We don't receive a lot of testing. Okay. But those in this, in, in Jesus context, there would be a lot of testing. Uh, apostles would have been beheaded. Apostles would have been martyred, given their life for this thing. There was a lot of testing and, uh, and those that persevered proved that they were truly of the good soil. What was the third soil? The thorny soil. Okay. These are the ones that appeared to be bearing fruit, but then it says the three things that, uh, choked them out were, does anyone remember the three things? Riches, cares, pleasures. So riches, cares, pleasures. Listen, I like to be, I like, I like to feel good. I, I like having riches and, and I care about stuff. So it's like, this is the soil, which is the most, uh, really, I would say controversial for the American Christian, because we live in a society that's filled with, Hey, do what makes you feel good. You know, it's not having money is not a bad thing, right? What's the root of all evil, the love, loving the money more than God. So we, we live in a society that has riches. We live in a world that there's a lot of things to care about. And sometimes those things will start to choke out your faith. And so, but those people heard too. And eventually those people proved themselves not to be of the good soil. And then the, the good soil was the fourth soil. 
And the fourth soil, they also heard. And what does it say? Does anybody have their they have it open? Um, it says that they heard the word, they held it fast in an honest and good heart, and then they bore fruit with patience. Uh, the earlier part, Jesus says it bared a hundred, hundredfold. So these were all, listen, all these people heard, but only the fourth soil actually produced fruit because they're the ones that actually, um, Jesus, heart, Jesus tilled their hearts in such a way that they received the word and started bearing fruit. And so I hope everyone here who's a Christian, actually I hope everyone here is a Christian, but I hope everyone who's professing faith that hears this message that sees themselves in that good soil needs to understand that Jesus is speaking to us today and saying, listen, take care how you hear this message. Meaning, hey, this isn't just some word for, for the disciples 2,000 years ago that we can study in historical context and has no real spiritual, cultural relevance to us today. This word is for us today. That's why God preser preserved his word through the spirit. He intended from the foundations of the earth that on whatever day today is, September 3rd, 2023, our friends Bill and his lovely wife from Allentown, Pennsylvania, my friend Ron, who's visiting for the first time, and all you guys, he, God knew from the foundations of the earth we would be sitting here listening to this message. And so I want to tell you, take care how you hear today's message, okay? Does anyone also remember how we described parables? What is a parable? At least my kids, like my kids should have listened. Okay. Okay. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's somewhat of a spiritual analogy. Not all of them were analogous, but, but many of them were analogies. And so we'll see today that, um, that Jesus is going to speak another parable. Um, he did this. Um, he did this because he wanted to give his disciples a, a word picture or something that they could remember it by that could be passed on. Remember they didn't have printing presses until about the 15th century. And so a lot of the Bible was passed down through oral tradition. And so Jesus could have said these things very clean, very clear, very plain. But Jesus spoke using uh, analogous language uh, and parables so that people could understand the meaning. And so I hope that you will hear that today. But he also did it uh, to really, as we studied last week, those that came in that didn't really want to follow him. They were just there for the benefits. They wanted to see miracles, signs, and wonders, but they really had no desire to follow God. He spoke in such a way which really hid the truth from them. So he tells his disciples, listen, I'm speaking clear to you, but not to them. And so we're called to imitate Jesus, right? And so it might have been a knee-jerk reaction for his disciples to say, listen, like, we're going to speak to the people that we think really love God and we're going to dismiss everyone else. Okay. Um, in some theological circles, uh, there's things called Calvinism and Arminianism. And, and Calvinism says that God has predestined those whom he's going to save from the foundation of the earth. Arminianism says in some weird philosophical way that, that people can choose God and God foreknows that knowledge. And, and there's many different things. But, but sometimes people use the uh, reform view or the Calvinist view to say, we're not going to evangelize because God's going to save or God's going to save whoever's going to save. That's called hyper-Calvinism. And it is just a erroneous, faulty, it, it's not even true. 
First off, most Calvinists don't actually believe that, but there are some that act like that. I would say most Christians actually act like that in the way that we live our life. We don't. Most Christians don't actually evangelize. They don't actually evangelize. They don't actually believe that that the power of the gospel or the power of God's salvation is through the gospel. And this can step on our toes, and this can step on my toes, because if we truly believe that the gospel is the power of God of salvation, we will proclaim it. And, and just very quickly. The gospel is that God created everything perfect and he put Adam and Eve over the garden and he said, hey, you guys be fruitful. You multiply, you, you flourish here, you enjoy each other's company here. And there's just one prohibition. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we saw very quickly that Adam um, handed over his authority, not just to his wife, but to Satan. He gave Satan, the serpent, his authority and allowed Satan to speak into his wife's life. And he stood by and watched her, probably curiously wondering what would happen. Did God really say? Is God really true? God surely wouldn't do this to us. And they partook of the fruit. They ate the fruit. And then death entered into the world. And through that, we see Adam and Eve's first children. What was their names? Cain and Abel. What happened to them? Cain murdered Abel. So death entered the world. But God promised even before Cain and Abel that he wouldn't kill them. They would suffer, they would die, but he wasn't going to kill them in that moment. He offered grace in Genesis 3.15. He said, I'm going to send my son who's going to crush the head of the serpent. He's going to defeat the evil one. And his name's Jesus. And he didn't say that in Genesis 3.15, but we know in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that Jesus came to really crush sin, death, and shame. He did that on the cross. And so that's the message we present to people that, all have fallen short of God's glory. All people deserve God's judgment. All people deserve the justice of God, which is wrath. But Jesus, in his loving kindness, came to die in their place, to suffer the death that they deserved on the cross as a penalty for their sin. The Bible teaches that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And by faith, when we heard that, we had to, we had to say, we believe that. And when you believe that message, the Bible says that you will not be put to shame. You will no longer suffer the judgment and curse of sin, but yet you'll be freed, forgiven for all eternity and in this life. And so that's the message that we proclaim. That's the message. And Jesus says right here, this is so cool. In verse 16, I guess I do have points, maybe. Maybe not. Okay, now we can put it up there. So the lit listeners. So there's a terminology and, you know, I'm way past my cool cool days, but there's a term called lit. Does anyone know what lit means? Any young people, what does it mean to be lit? Trending, awesome, Trending, awesome right? Back in my day, lit meant kind of like to be inebriated. So when I started hearing, when I started hearing kids say he's, that's lit, I'm like, what do you mean? Dad? He's, what's he smoking? They said, no, lit dad. It's like, it's cool. It's like, it's the thing. It's like, it's lit. I'm like, okay, well, that's not what this means. Lit means lit. Like you light something on fire, okay? That's what I mean when I say lit. So, so we're going to learn how to be lit listeners from what Jesus has commanded in Luke 8, 16 through 18. Again, Jesus is using parables. He's speaking to his disciples, giving word pictures they could pass down throughout the annals of time. He's confusing those who, who didn't really want to follow him. So the disciples, again, as they follow, called to follow Jesus, imitate his ways, they might have been uh, thought that they could do the same. And Jesus says, hey, listen, 
No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with the jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Okay, first off, how many of you guys light up your house through lamps? Really? Like your whole house? Okay. Okay, so I thought it would be 100% no's, but okay. So you might understand, is it a lamp or is it a candle? It's use oil and all that. Well, you could come up here and teach us about it. Listen, so I had to look because it's like, I don't understand lamps. Like we don't use lamps. I don't use lamps in my house. You know, that's, that's not a thing. So Joy, you need to have us over sometimes so we can experience the lamp lighting and all that. But these, these people did not have electricity. And so it, it would have been painstaking for them um, to put oil in and light it. And it would be for a purpose. None of these people are going to light a lamp and then instantly cover it. Okay, um, it, it's like what they call um, it's absolute truth. Like no one lights a lamp to cover it. So Jesus is speaking to disciples who would have understood what it means to light a lamp. He says, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with the jar. And back then the jars weren't made of clear glass because we would even, th- I would think like, hey, that might be, that might be cool. You can see it obviously would cut off the oxygen um, or puts it under a bed. Okay. Does anyone know what their beds were back in the day? Besides Taylor, we talked about this yesterday. Does anyone know what the average bed was back in first century? Huh? Yeah, it was just a mat. It was just, just some mat you laid on the floor. They didn't have, you know, a sleep number, like up and down, choosing your comfort level. They just had a mat. And maybe if they had some, some money, they had someone to build them like a straw mat that was more comfortable. Well, if you put a lamp under some under a blanket, what's going to happen? It's going to it's going to cut off the oxygen. It's going to die. Um, it's actually a technique that firemen will use to throw a blanket over a fire because it cuts the oxygen off. And Jesus is saying here, listen, no one who's been given this light. He's talking to his disciples. You guys who've been given the light, if you if you live in such a way that you extinguish your light it's probably a sign that you don't have the light. So Christianity and evangelism go hand in hand. Like Jesus is telling the disciples here and the Holy Spirit speaking to us today, we can't claim to be a Christian who has the light of God in us and be ashamed. We can't be Christians who come in on Sunday and we worship the Lord, we throw our hands up, and then on Monday we, our hands in our pockets and people are, you know, telling us all their problems and we never point them to gospel. And so here's the thing. Can we offer people good advice? I started the sermon with good practical advice on listening. Is that wrong? No. Is that where we stop? No. And if you stop there, I'm just telling you what Jesus is saying is that you might not have the light in you. If, if you can say, I worship Jesus, but yet I'm not going to offer Jesus, then, then that means you're ashamed of the gospel. And you might fall in that Matthew uh, 17 category. Is it Matthew 17 where Jesus says, they, they come to Jesus on the day of judgment. They say, Jesus, we did all these things in your name. We prophesied. We did all these good deeds. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Is that Matthew 17? 
Somebody help me out. Seven, seven, Matthew seven. So he's telling them here in this verse, a lit listener, if you're lit and you're listening, the way that I can tell that you're actually listening is that you've received this. Remember, go back to um, verse 15. He says, you hear the word, hold in your heart, honest and good, and you bear fruit. The fruit he says is you're going to shine your light. You will shine your light. A lamp has no choice but to shine its light. A lamp wasn't meant to be hidden. A lamp wasn't meant to be snuffed out. A lamp wasn't meant to be lit and then thrown under a bed or thrown into a clay pot because it would put it out. Therefore, it wouldn't serve its purpose. So my question to you is, are you shining your light? When the opportunity presents itself and maybe you're creating and praying for opportunities, as those opportunities present themselves, do you share the light? Do you share the gospel? Do you share about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Or do you just give good advice? Because what this world doesn't need is more good advice. You go to Barnes & Noble, that's even still a thing. You go to Amazon, there is a treasure trove of self-help books that can teach people how to live a good life. But you can live a good life apart from Jesus and spend eternity in hell. And so we're not just trying to help people feel comfortable and feel good. We want people, we, yes, we do want people to feel comfortable and feel good, but we also we want them to feel convicted of their sins so that they'll repent and turn to Christ and be forgiven and set free so that we can worship around the Lamb of God, the throne of God, for all eternity. So there really is no separation between Christianity and evangelism. A light was created to shine. If you're a Christian here today, and listen, let me just tell you, we live in a culture that's now dumbed down the word light. Anytime there's some sort of tragedy, you know, prayers for Maui, thought, our thoughts and prayers, positive light to Maui, like people will use the term light to mean like good vibes, which doesn't really mean anything. The true light is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lamps were created to shine light. Christians were created to share the gospel. Second way that Jesus shares is verse 17. He says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So Jesus, we're going through Revelation in our, um, in our weekly, or not weekly, but our daily Bible reading plan. By the way, if you don't have one, you can join us. It's called Seeing Jesus Together. It's an app on Apple Store. It's SJT. It's one Old Testament, one New Testament. The Revelation speaks about Jesus coming, right? The first time he came as a lamb, second time he's coming is, is what? A lion. And he's coming to judge and bring justice. And it says that every deed that's ever done, every thought, every deed throughout the history of time will be exposed at a second coming. And so we can rejoice in that, right? Because there's, there's, part, of, um, there's part of this world we live in, and I want to be careful to some of the, the, the younger ears in here, but I, I work in a ministry that's pro-life, that we help moms and dads make the decision for life. We disciple them. We meet them where they're at as they're on their way to the abortion centers. It's, it's a really gruesome style ministry. It's really beautiful. God's used us to save 5,000 babies. It's been awesome. But we've started recently to uh, uncover um, just trafficking rings and things like that. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, awareness now, even from conservatives uh, exposing 
some of this stuff. And I want to tell you that without going into great detail, uh, the age of some of these children being trafficked is less than a year. There is some horrible injustice being done in our culture. These are God's children. These are children created in the image of God. And they are not only, um, yeah, they're, I just, I don't want to go into it, but it's, it's, it's horrible. And most of these people, most of these people that get, go through trafficking is like some 75% of them don't make it a couple years and they die, whether through murder or just health issues. And so this stuff, like, it should cause us to want to be a voice for those people. It should cause us to want to seek justice for them. But I do take some um, solace. I do take some comfort knowing that God sees all this and he's going to judge all those people based upon what they've, what they've done. These people are enemies of God. These people are enemies of God's design. And so that's kind of an extreme example. Uh, in other ways, we have, you know, blasphemous uh, religions where people worship 300 million gods and and deny the one true living God. Um, people practice voodoo. Um, people um, pray to dead people. Uh, there, there's other things which offend God. And so it's easy for us to kind of like as Christians say, hey, we know the truth of God and we can point at those people and say, man, they're going to receive justice. But here's the bad part is that God being omniscient, which means he knows everything, he also knows everything in our life. And so while, yes, there are evil sex traffickers and evil people in the world, like we, we need to remember that our hearts are equally as wicked. Yeah, we may not have gone through with the things those people have done, but we have sinned against the Holy God. Each one of us, the Bible says, has fallen short of God's glory. His standard is perfection. And once you tell one small lie or fudge your taxes a little bit, you've now entered into the all sin and fallen short of glory of God. You're in the same ballpark as those evil, wicked tra traffickers. And therefore, we all deserve his justice and his judgment. And so it's kind of a weird message because a lot of times, you know, we want to highlight how awesome God is and how beautiful he is. And that's all true. But also as Christians, we need to be reminded that God knows everything you see, everything you think, everything you do. He sees it all. There's nothing you can do. Listen, you can go away for the weekend in the middle of the woods, away from your family, away from all the people close to you, and you can do whatever you want, and none of them will ever know it, and God always will. The theater of your mind, the corridors of your heart, right? Young people, old people, everyone in between, like our hearts, because we still live in our the, these flesh suits, we're not, we have yet to be totally perfected. Yes, in Christ we're justified, we're declared righteous, but yet we still have this tendency to sin. And God knows it all. And so I know that like, I don't want you guys to obey God out of like fear or like, oh, I don't want God to know what I'm thinking because he already does. But I want, I want this passage to motivate you towards holiness, right? If we say in our hearts, if we say to the world, oh, we're, we're so against trafficking, and yet in our hearts we have lustful thoughts or we're still looking at pornography, we're hypocrites. 
And, and just for the record, if anyone, male or female, here is struggling with pornography, please come talk to myself or Pastor Carl. We want to help you with that. None of us are immune to sin. Now, by God's grace, we have the power of the Spirit to help us overcome sin, but we're still tempted on a daily basis, minute by minute, second by second. And so maybe it's not pornography. Maybe you're tempted towards anger. You know? Maybe you're tempted towards discontentment. Maybe you're tempted towards jealousy. Maybe you're tempted towards covetousness. Maybe you're tempted towards fill in the blank. You spend too much time doing good things and you, and you don't spend time honoring the great thing, the Lord. And so as my, my challenge is like, where, where are we falling short? Where are you falling short? Let me, let, me, let me bring it home. Where are you falling short in your heart? Because listen, you may not have confessed it to me. You may not have confessed it to Pastor Carl. You may not have confessed it to your husband and your wife. You may not have confessed it to your children, your brothers, your parents. You may not have confessed it to anyone else, but rest assured, God knows. God knows. The Bible teaches that God is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness, of all of our sin. So we must confess. So we're going to have a time of response at the end of the sermon, but I encourage you guys, don't allow anything in your heart, bitterness, unforgiveness, lust, envy, jealousy, hatred, don't allow those things to just remain in there and think, oh, I'm good because I'm justified, declared righteous. God knows you. He knows what's going on. He's not going to shame or condemn you. He's going to welcome you in, but you got to come to him. You got to confess. Amen. So let, let listeners shine the light. Listeners, let listeners live in the light. And then last verse, let listeners bear fruit. So verse 18, again, he says, take care how you hear. For the one who has more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. So again, Matthew 7, people coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, we did these things in your name. He said, depart from me, I never knew you. They thought they had it. You know, this, this, this kind of like spits in the face the idea of uh, decisional regeneration. Um, I praise God for Billy Graham, the way the Lord used him. Billy Graham is huge here, Bill, if you didn't know. Well, Billy Graham Library is right down the street. It's a wonderful place to visit. Um, but one thing they realized and they studied after Billy Graham's crusades was there was a lot of people that came forward in a moment of emotional wildness. They came forward and they made a decision. And then they walked away and never followed God. But yet they felt like, hey, because I made a decision at this Billy Graham crusade or whatever church I was at, I walked an aisle or I said a prayer that I'm, I'm good to go. And they lived a life that looked nothing like what you see in scripture that didn't look anything like a disciple. They weren't sharing. They weren't living holy. And so Jesus would say to those people, depart from me, I never knew you. So I just want to make sure it's none of us. But verse 18 says, take care how you hear. For the one who has, more will be given. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, Satan comes to kill and destroy, but he comes to give life and give it what? More abundantly. And so again, this is going to test you, okay? Hopefully, we're still friends after this. But I just want to say what God says as I'm studying this. He says if you're a Christian, if you, if you proclaim to be a Christian, one of the evidences of your Christian is you'll bear fruit. 
And it doesn't mean every day it's going to be, you know, ho-humming, walking on, you know, clouds and all that stuff. Like, But it means that year by year you can look at your life and you see more fruit being born through you. And you might have seasons of struggle, right? That's why God gives us the church to help walk us through that together. But if you can look at your life and you can say, man, I don't really see evidence of fruit. I don't see that with a desire to share. I don't see them trying to pursue holiness. Then you might not be a Christian. That's what Jesus is telling his disciples. And remember, he was speaking to the 12, one of whom was Judas. Let us not forget Judas was in the mix. What kind of fruit did Judas bear that we know? Betrayal. He, he wanted money more than, more than he wanted God. He was that third soil. And so Jesus is challenging us today. If you're a, a listener, if you're listening and you've been lit up by the word, you'll want to share it, right? There's some shy people in the room and I won't call them out. I'm just telling you, we, we do evangelism every Wednesday night. I very rarely desire to go. But I know I have to be obedient. And we go out there and we share Bibles with people. It's, it's amazing. We, 700 Bibles this year, is that right? That's crazy. We've handed out 700 Bibles. We, we've thrown seed on all these soils. We don't know. It's God's job to determine what, what's going to happen with the Word. But if, but if you say, man, I, I don't want to do that, and I'm not showing up for that, I don't, I don't think we should do that. I don't know if you've been lit. I don't know if you have the light in you if you don't desire to shine it to others. If you say, listen, hey man, I appreciate everything Pastor Brian's saying and you know, like, I'll do this thing on my terms. Right? There's a lot of Christians um, who aren't part of churches. Okay? And they say and they give reasons, right? The church isn't a building. Right? I am the church. Which, hey, that stuff's actually true. But when you see God's word and the way Jesus speaks to his disciples, you can't even know if you're living in the light unless you have people around you that can confirm it, affirm it, or deny it. People listening to you, people that you can listen to. So maybe that's like a, hey, we, we understand this truth to be self-evident. In order to have listeners, in order to listen, you need someone else in your life, Right? So there will be seasons, and I can tell you, there'll be seasons where like, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired sometimes, you know, like I'm tired of the church stuff. I'm just, I'd rather go to Tetons and hike a mountain on a Sunday, but I don't get to give into that because God has prescribed a way to understand if I'm truly bearing fruit. It's through the community he's given us, through his word and through listening, receiving those around me. And so that's really, that's really the, the charge of the message. You know, when Jesus talked about the second soil, he said there was testing. The third soil, did you, did you care more about the riches, pleasures, and things of this world, or are you that fourth soil? So this is really a continuation from, from last week's message, but I just want to challenge us, whether you're a visitor who's going back to Pennsylvania or, or wherever you are, man, this message is for you. But here's the beauty, beautiful thing. Even if you thought you were doing good, if you were like, oh, I did that, I did that, I did that, like, you're like still down here 
and Jesus is way up here. Like you don't match up to his perfection. Jesus, he's, he's shown the light perfectly. He went to the cross. He died for us. He just continued to have his arms open wide for the church. Jesus is the one who lived the perfect life. Jesus never sinned once. And Jesus, this is Jesus. We are just check this out. Look around the room real quick. I got a great view. All you guys look around. This is the fruit of Jesus's ministry. People, his church, the greatest organism on the face of the earth, the ones who helped abolish slavery in America, the ones who will help end child sex trafficking, the ones who will help end abortion in this nation. It'll be the church. It'll be us. But he's called us to shine, to live in the light, and then he'll bear fruit through us. Amen? Let's pray. God, you're amazing. And messages like these are really challenging for me. And uh, imagine they're challenging for the hearers, God, in this room and those online. But Lord, you challenge us not to shame, not to condemn, not to uh, rub our face in our sin, but you, you challenge us because you desire us to grow in holiness. You challenge us because you want us to grow in our evangelistic witness, to be less hypocritical and more loving and more caring. And you want to bear fruit through the people in this room. You want to help build your kingdom. You want to help bring more souls into the kingdom through the people in this room. And so, God, may we be found obedient and faithful servants of you. And when we fall short, Lord, would you empower us? Would you equip us with your love? Would you comfort us in our brokenness? Would you empower us in our weakness, God? Would you give us all the things we need? Lord Jesus, we confess, I confess, apart from you, I can do nothing. Apart from you, this church can do nothing. But with you, all things are possible. We want to see revival break out in our city. It's going to come through repentance, and it starts with us. So help forgive us of our apathy, our inaction, our attitudes, which, which think we're better than others. Help us live the life that you live. Help us die to ourselves, Lord, so that your gospel seed, which we throw along the path, would, would uh, bring up good fruit. Lord, you're the tiller of the soil, so we pray that you would till hearts in this room, you would till hearts in this community, that your word would, would not only uh, land, but that would take root and be obeyed. We'd hold fast to it. Um, with honest and, and good intentions for your glory. And so, Lord, whatever you're calling us to, whatever you're desiring for this church, we, we just say yes, we will obey you, and we love you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.